What's up everyone? Welcome to the Sahil Sagal show where we interview some unstoppable entrepreneurs who are dominating figures in their businesses and Sahil here back again today with an awesome insane guest. Guess what who we have today on our show? The Tom Shipley. I'm going to be telling you a little bit about Tom. So Tom is a serial entrepreneur, e-commerce and platform investor, strategic advisor, speaker and over the past 20 years he has become one of the leading experts in omnichannel brand building his brands are widely recognized household names that can be seen on tv radio online amazon oh. and found in some major realtors as well he's strategic advisor to snow teeth whitening as well as the co-founder of foundry most recently tom is the co-founder and ceo of agency ventures aggregator as well his brands have collectively sold over 2 billion in sales let's welcome tom What's up everyone this is Sahil here and welcome to the Sahil Sagal show where I'm going to be interviewing some crazy entrepreneurs out there who started from scratch with no experience resources and connections and then later on became unstoppable and dominating figures in their respective businesses we're going to dive deep into the mindset of these super successful entrepreneurs to find out how they did it and how you can model it too It's time to pick their brains and uncover all the strategies and tactics which these entrepreneurs used to scale their businesses from nowhere to multiple six, seven, and eight figures. Welcome to the Sahil Sagal Show. Welcome, Tom. Sahil. Good morning. Great to connect. Good morning, man. It's a pleasure and honor to have you, bro. So Tom I must say your journey is crazy and unique like you moved to Israel and joined the army and then you came back you started living this entrepreneur life hitting this crazy 8 9 and even 10 figures in your businesses so when and how exactly this crazy journey start Yeah it is interesting um you know you the question is is always is is someone born an entrepreneur or does it happen along the way and i can say there's no equal paths as far as the way people get here but there are those of us who always um thought differently did not fit in conventional boxes that have a natural tendency to be entrepreneurs so i always knew i always was going to be one and i always had some very ambitious goals but uh, but i'll start with this is that um uh, i'm a kid from cleveland ohio in orlando florida i was at florida state university life in uh fraternity life and college life was great when I knew that I had to do something bigger and I couldn't wait. So I showed up on my parents' house. They were shocked to see me and announced that I'm moving to Israel. I am going to be joining the Israeli Defense Forces. My father freaked out a little bit and then said, "Tom, understand that you don't speak the language at all. You don't uh you don't know anything about the culture. You clearly don't understand about the army there and um athletically you run, but you're not that great of an athlete. So if you're in the army, you may be pushing papers there if they allow you in." And um I'm always up for a challenge. Someone doubts me, it's just it fuels me. So I did move to Israel. I found out about the special forces, the top 3 special forces unit. I identified with one of them and I created this vision that that's what I was going to be. I worked my ass off. I trained myself for it and I did everything I could to prepare myself for it. And out of 170,000 soldiers in the army, there's 60,000 combat soldiers. There's 10,000 soldiers that applied for my unit. out of which a thousand of us were were picked for hell week which was just 
an incredible lesson and the way they try to break you, test you physically, emotionally, and also to even measure things like trust. And so at the end of the week, they picked 25 of us to go through an 18 month course at the end of which there were 13 of us that were left to serve in the unit. I'm going to say that the greatest lessons in business and team and leadership and ultimately entrepreneurship, I learned in the special force in the Israeli army. And I guess um, when you get go through that is when we talk about difficult, again, I have a different definition of what difficult is. When I, when someone says something's impossible, I don't hear that. It doesn't mean anything to me. Again, I have a different paradigm on that because it clearly tested me and I was able to shift, shift um, quitting. There is no, you never quit. Never, ever, ever, ever give up. So again, there's so many lines I learned about, so many things I learned about resourcefulness, about team, about leadership um, that became the foundation. And when I came back to the United States after five years there, I started my entrepreneurial journey because again, I had very little to risk starting my first business, but I also got my degrees in industrial engineering. And that was my transition. I'm going to say I did fail for two years as I left and got a job in corporate America working for AT&T. And you know, it's not right for you. While I was succeeding according to their eyes and getting promoted, for me, I was in jail. The freedom, the ability to take risks, to, um, to basically be responsible for my destiny and where I want to be spending the time and adding real value. And again, in a corporate environment, I could not do that. So when my wife was, we found out my wife was pregnant, I realized that I had probably six months to figure out how to make my income cover her income and my income. And that's when I did that. Luckily, you know, what's, I've also learned a very, very valuable lesson in life is having the right uh, partner or the right, the right partner to go through your journey of life with is everything. Because luckily she had the faith in me and allowed me as she's pregnant with our first baby. And the one thing she was not very is risk tolerant. But she said, I trust you. Go for it. So, again, it was an incredible period of time in uh, 21 years ago. If you remember Web 1.0, early days of Google AdWords, email was even new. So it was very exciting is when I started my first I'm going to see my real my first direct response business. Um, we mailed out it was an omni channel business. Uh, we mailed out millions of catalogs. Um, we have uh, the Sky Mall in-flight magazine, which is in all of the airlines. We had 14 pages in that. It was an extremely exciting period of time of building that first company. I did some acquisitions and sold that business off in 2001. So just a quick background, three years of uh, just really quick, three years um, of, in my wilderness years doing consulting. 2005, I said, why don't I take the same playbook and apply it to an industry that they said it could not be done. You cannot build iconic beauty brands or direct response marketing. To me, that made no sense. Right now, we hear that and we think that's the stupidest thing anyone said, but that was the conventional wisdom. Our first brand, Hydroxetone, we launched with limited capital and within... Um, uh, first year, we did $330,000 in profit. Two years later, we did $125 million. Oh. Now, part of that, I do admit, was fueled with the fact that um, we had the um, economic downturn in 2008, where basically most businesses shut down, closed. It was a very challenging period. Of, I just had such economic hardships. We looked at firing half of our staff and just gutting our way through it. But 
another lesson that I learned over time is where people see adversity, I see opportunity. You just have to look. Sometimes you have to look a little bit to the left, a little bit to the right to see where the opportunities are. And in this case is it took hustle is getting on the phone with all of our media companies, TV, radio, online. And since all the other advertisers dropped off the face of the earth, especially the big brands, because they didn't have cash, we started negotiating unfair deals for guaranteed cost per order, low cost media. It was the best media environment ever in history. We also switched our, uh, pivoted our business model to give consumer financing and you put those two together. And that's how we went from 300,000 to 125 million. Through all the channels, through primarily online, but we were doing TV, we were doing radio. It was explosive, it was just explosive growth that led to bricks and mortar retail. But that brand, Hydroxetone, that we launched, that my partner and I launched, did a billion dollar over its lifetime. Oh my God. Um, we've launched a number of other brands from Christy Brinkley Beauty, partnership with Christy Brinkley, 11 years ago, a Blue Ocean Opportunity in Women's Hair Regrowth, Karenique, category, uh, category leader, um, and category king. And that brand did over $700 million over its lifetime. And we sold this portfolio of brands off to private equity last year. So that's kind of how I got, but in the meantime, two incredible daughters. Again, my life is my wife and my two daughters that are just the light of my life and just give me so much joy and energy. And so there's, it's a big why. And the other why is I can't help myself. <laughs> I want to have impact. I want to have massive impact in my lifetime. And through entrepreneurship, I can impact many people's lives. And this is the way I'm doing it. So every year I keep on trying to level up saying, how can I do things at a bigger level? How can I add one or two zeros onto my ideas and have bigger impact? So, Wow, that's amazing. That's a beautiful wise that you got to two of the wise that you mentioned family and then you the impact that you want to create in the world and the journey is itself is speaking a lot it's a lot of crazy things that happened being an engineer and then you joined AT&T I was also an engineer I joined AT&T I have worked for AT&T same thing right. then uh the life that you mentioned about in the army that it's not easy like it, it, directly saying that life is not easy uh, you did so many things and there were so many tests out there you did to qualify to come into that into that phase of the uh, whatever point of uh, you you can say that you got that uh, what do you call dec declaration or uh, you got that medal you got that uh, on the badge on the uni uh, on your uniform that's what you get after the uniform. The, the, so when we get in and we repel down the helicopters at our in, induction ceremony and get the insignia, or in our case, it's wings because we were special forces yeah, and the air force. Yeah. True. That's, and you were wired as an engineer, entrepreneur, basically. That's what you were wired. And at what time of the life you realize that this is the time I need to leave the army. I need to jump onto this entrepreneur world. And what was the family situation at that time? Oh, well, again, I was young. So when I got in the army, I was 25. I had no family and I served by service. I, again, I completed my service and I was out. I wasn't going to sign on for more time in the army because it was time to, for my next chapter. And my next chapter was getting my education, but I can't, I couldn't help myself, but to start my first business. Oh, amazing. And that was the timeline. And, but it was within a month after the army, I met my wife. Mm-hmm. And since the first day I met her, we've been together ever since. And so um, it took us two years to get married and a total of 10 years before we said, maybe we should have kids because <laughs> we were having so much fun. 
but then we didn't know how magic life is with kids also so yeah that's crazy that's amazing love it and what are the like some of the killer lessons that you have learned while being a special forces operator which helped you or currently is helping you in your business okay let's start with um we were certified in many things in the army we were trained on rescues from everywhere from uh primarily a lot from helicopter or from ropes along rivers or along mountains um uh rescues in um from um in ocean rev- ship rescues but in addition to that we are trained in combat in cities and combat in the field so again so a lot of things um um and so scuba diving so again we were trained in a lot of different disciplines one things we were trained in is medics we were all medics because our goal was we our task was to rescue soldiers wherever they were across enemy lines wherever they were in the world and so um as as and we have to be able to operate as either individuals or small teams of 3 people and so we were all uh trained medics in medics course where there's an expression khovesh tov ze khovesh ma alter or khayal tov ze khayal chamater a good soldier or a good medic is one who improvises core lesson is is you will never have the resources and the tools you need to save a life or to do things in life period so the question is is how resourceful can you be and so in life and business as an entrepreneur you'll never have i don't care how much money you raise the team you have in place you will never have the resources accessible and sometimes when your resource lies light you actually get more creative so you have to really focus on the creative you know there's um there's been times um where i've been up against the wall with no solutions and no way out and where my advisors and my business has, has told us to shut it down it's not going to there's no way out you may cut your losses and move on and the question is is how resourceful can you be does it give you you know again after you get through the initial shock or what i call weak at the knees moments or you get the butterflies and the oh shit when you get beyond that is how can you think clearly and how can you come up with truly creative resources i'll share a story that it was um you know how you'd go through these arcs and the as an entrepreneur you're constantly doing this now hopefully you're doing this uh, let me get in front of the camera says yeah hopefully you're doing the upward arc versus always just like this but um so in 2018 we had three offers to buy our portfolio of brands and Orlando's brands between 55 to 75 million dollars again it was an extremely exciting period of time we've always had ups and downs but really we were really on a great trajectory and so it's exciting we had companies uh, private equity firms that were fighting over themselves to buy our company and uh three things happened to us within a very short period of time the first and the main one was we had a one a single source manufacturer they are the only fd um fda approved company in the world to make one of our core products which was key for our continuity of our business when they basically went bankrupt with one day with even a day's notice they went bankrupt out of business couldn't get any supply we couldn't ship our auto ships so we were making close to a million a month suddenly we were we were losing uh again we barely even broke even from before overhead so we were losing 600,000 a month our bank said you guys are done we're shutting you off so from the high high we're selling our company to this and where people said there's no way out you're done 
And so here's a really powerful lesson I learned is, is I was um, at, at Russell Brunson's inner circle meeting and we, my wife and I flew out to Boise for this and we were running on this cold day along the Boise river and it was slightly drizzling. And I turned to my wife and I said, I said, Pam, um, you know, the situation we're in, can we just go to the dark side? She said, let's go there. I said, okay. She said, okay, so what's going on? I said, so I laid it out very quickly. I said, losing money. Our head of marketing said he can't figure out any, our CMO said he can't see anything else that we can do differently. Our banks are shutting us down. And so we're at this crossroads. She said, okay, let's go there now. She said, what's going to happen if you can't pull it out? I said, well, there's going to be, our employees are going to lose their jobs. Everything we built for all these years is gone. We're going to have a thousand people in our ecosystems. We'll, we'll probably lose their jobs. It's a devastating thing. It's also horribly embarrassing after where we've been, um, but it's the negative impact of everything happening. And she said, and then what? I said, and then what? Well, probably owe money to the IRS. Um, we'll lose our house. We'll lose all of our assets. She said, and then what? I said, we'll be living in an apartment. She said, and then what? I said, we'll start hustling, working again. She said, and where we'll be in five years. I said, better than we are now. And she said, so what do you worry about? So with that, I went to the inner circle meeting and I started reaching out to everyone I know and said, okay, give me your best ideas. And then I put them together and I ranked, I put together a list and said, here's all the ideas of how we're going to turn around. And then I ranked every idea by uh, magnitude of impact, the resources and time required, as well as probability of success. And I ranked those with a high probability of success, big impact, low resources, and again, from top to bottom. And or you put this on a two by two grid, the same thing. So you focus on those in one quadrant. And then, and that's what you draw your team to. And then you pull your team together and you have an honest meeting, totally open with them. And you basically, this is the war plan you're doing and you're getting their buy-in. And some of your team members are going to be there. And we lost three people right away that weren't up for that. The rest of the people signed up for it with open hearts. And then I brought in two new team members onto the team, even in the situation that had the unique skills that I needed in order to pull this off. And then we went through massive imperfect action, knowing that even if two thirds of what we're doing fail, if that third wins, we got this. And every month we grinded it. It was the best year to year and a half of my life because turning this company around, watching the team dig all in, it was spectacular and getting the company back to the same level of profitability that it was. And again, massive imperfect action, all in, very focused, always looking at the priorities. But what we had to do is we had to be extremely resourceful and do things that, and it had me also letting some people go that were stuck in the old ways because I needed fresh ideas. The old ideas doesn't happen. The old ideas got us stuck. And this is really, um, and, and for me is as a CEO, when you have a certain level of team, you get pulled out of things. Me actually be able to roll up my sleeve and get into the trenches again and working with my design team and my developers and my marketing team, which, and my analytics team, which is the blast. So resourcefulness. There's a story that um, was exposed to me years ago when, when Myron Golden introduced me to uh, uh, U squared by Price, Price Pitchett. I don't know if you've ever read it. It's a small 38 page book. It's very small. And there's a story in there where, and I'm going to paraphrase a little bit is if you ever um, been inside a room and there's sun coming in and suddenly somehow through a crack door, a crack window, a fly gets in 
and the fly starts going towards the light of the window and it starts pinging your window. And you just basically hear that ping, ping, ping. And it's going hard. It's trying to get through that window to get outside again. And it keeps on going harder and harder, keeps on going. And eventually it loses energy and falls and it tries again. And eventually over time it dies. However, if it just pulls back and goes and right here goes for the open window, the open crack, the same when it came in through, it would have been a different outcome. Sometimes our, we're, we're fighting so hard and we're white knuckling to one solution. And sometimes the solution to our solution is right a little bit to the left or a little bit to the right. And we just have to ask the right questions and open the door and go through those. That's so true. And being resourceful, that's a great thing. It, it creates opportunities then. You don't feel like stuck at that time. You look for here and there, just like analogies that you shared. It's it's beautiful. I'm going to use it. That's really, uh, yeah, a powerful one. And uh, at the same time, you got a very supporting wife who took care of that at that time when you needed that support. Uh, because at the end of the day, we all are humans, right? Maybe some people think, see you from a different perspective like our oh, tom is a genius he's like champions of the champions he knows everything but i'm sure we all are humans we get stuck sometimes we need guidance we need support we need to consult with someone how difficult was it for you at that time tom to show your maybe when uh, the story that you shared you went to russell bronson uh that cruise uh, trip like how difficult was it for you to show your vulnerable side at that time that was very painful because i was trained in the fact of your problems, you suck it in, you keep it private and you just don't show that. And so, um, but it, it was, once you are vulnerable, the amount of people that will help you and understand you is phenomenal. And who cares? And you got in business, you got to get rid of this whole thing about embarrassment and shame. It's just part. And if anyone who's really been around the block, you've been through enough cycles, we're all going to go through this. And no matter what is, I know I'll have hard times. But I know I can leverage my network of people around me and my friends. And you see who, you, who your true friends are. Those people that are the skeptics that will say, I told you it was going to happen to you. You know something? I don't hear it. And that's, that's, the, whole, you know, that's the whole thing. So there's um, another thing that I, uh, lesson I learned in the Army was one thing they did when they did our induction, when they went through that week of hell week. They actually, I remember it was three nights of barely sleeping. And then they finally let us go down about one 30. We were exhausted in pain. And suddenly an hour later, firecrackers went off and they woke us up and they said, okay, we want everyone to line up and we can barely even stand up and we can, we just exhausted falling asleep. They said, we want every individual to run on their own hundred yards into the desert, past these bushes. There's going to be a, um, a phosphorus light, a nightstick, there when you get to it do 100 push-ups and then run back and we're going to time how long it takes you to get to get there do your push-ups and get back so suddenly i went and did mine i went and i jumped down i'm going i'm saying oh my god i have to go as fast as possible because i have to meet that cutoff and i did it and i went oh my god did i do 99 or did i do 100 so i jumped down did an extra one and i came back the next morning we all look the next morning they called 15 people and they said basically you guys are out why? Because they went out in the dark. They didn't think anyone was watching and they didn't do any push-ups. and they ran back. They cheated in any team and any special forces. Ultimately what you have to rely on is trust and trust ultimately is what you do when no one's looking shortcuts can kill people. Shortcuts can kill a business. 
And so if I, if I have a choice on my teams and I'm building to have people that are, by the way, I only want to work with A players. I don't like mediocre. I can't handle people that I'm not good with people that can't think on their own, regardless of what their day-to-day job is. But I will take people that are slightly less capable and not the biggest stars in the world if there's a high level of trust. So I look at performance and trust on them. Same thing, a grid matrix is um, you have to have people of high, high capability and capacity, but people of high trust, because if not, you're going to destroy the team. And what has always been true, but is especially true in these in, in, the, in the fast-paced times we are is, I don't care what patents you have. I don't care how great your technology is. I don't care how much cash you have in the bank. The ultimate competitive advantage is to your teammates and your culture, because it's about the speed in which you can move and adapt and change and think through problems. And companies that don't have healthy cultures, when they hit walls, and they will, don't have that agility. And you know everything we were separated, the way we were separated in units and trained, we're trained to question everything and the quality of the teams. That's why I was trained in, in, in Israeli special forces. And it's the same expectations I have for my teams. Oh, that's powerful. You, you learned a lot of lessons from army and then to, to a normal person, it, it looks like I'm feeling like a little bit of torture as well. And you get like, so again, life is not easy. That's what you learned there. And the, principles that you learn there now you're implementing in the business working with a players or um, measuring their uh, using a metrics chart mentioned that's helps you is helping you right now in your business that's crazy it's really powerful and not a lot of people can do it because you have been through that stuff you know uh, what you have gone through and what you have learned from there the principles and now you're using it here it's it's, it's helping you a lot like I can see that that's amazing so Sahil, there's um, something really, really important. And the challenge is I look at so many businesses and I have bought so many businesses. And right now I have two different businesses that our business is buying businesses. Mm-hmm. And when I see businesses that have such great potential and they seem to get stuck at a certain level, whether that's a million in sales, 3 million, 5 million, 20 million, it doesn't matter. They get stuck. And my always question is why do they stuck get stuck at that level? And typically it's, the CEO and the level of expectations they have in their head and they get stuck at the level in general, as people, as you know, is that we have our, our frontal, our frontal cortex and our, and, and I'm going to call it, it's our reptilian brain. It's there to protect ourselves. And the more we get stung and the more we get hurt and more we fall in life is it creates different layers. And therefore we have these loops of lessons that we do. Well, lessons are good. So we don't, have to put our hand back on the stove and learn a second time that don't touch a hot stove. On the other hand, it prevents our, it also limits our ability to think and think big. And so the first example I had is that the idea that I can only be in the army, I can maybe be a bureaucrat. Let me become a combat soldier. Let me be, see if I can get into commando unit. Let me see if I can get into the top special forces unit. And that lesson of Imagine life without limits and just what would be possible if you didn't have the limits, limitations there, and then set your expectation, your goal and figure out a way to get there, but create that vision and manifest your reality. And I'm going to say in business, we do that. So one of the exercises that I do now is I did this two years ago, and that's the way I founded Foundry, our Amazon and e-com aggregator that I, that we raised a hundred million dollars to buy Amazon e-com brands. 
is it was the beginning of COVID and I knew we were going to sell Atlantica's brands. My partner and I were going to sell it over the next year. And then I started saying, well, why don't I, I have time. I'm not no longer commuting four hours a day. So what do I want to do in my spare time? Why don't I start to buy one or two brands, Amazon e-commerce. And then I asked the question is, is add a zero onto that. Okay. Instead of buying one or two brands a year, what if I bought one or two brands a month? Hmm. Add a zero onto that. What if I bought 10 brands a month? What would, what would be, if I bought 10, three to $5 million brands a month, what would happen? Well, what would happen if I succeed in doing that is, and we're successful is we're basically one of the larger consumer products, good companies. And if we do it right with the right tech staff analytics and we're direct to consumer with retail as other channels, then basically what we've done is we've created a better model to build a consumer products good company. Wow. Okay. So imagine what would be possible. And then the question is what operating assumption, what would have to be possible to make that possible? What would have to be? And then I go through my assumptions. Well, First of all, we need the infrastructure systems and process to be able to handle a large number of brands in a replicable way. We need to have a pipeline in order to acquire brands. We need to be able to manage every brand uniquely so they don't lose the brand identity. So I laid out all the assumptions and based on where the, I did some research where the market is, is we need access to, to start off with $100 million. Mm -hmm. And therefore that started with, okay, now I know where we're going to go. Now I know the plan. Now I know how we're going to get there. And then I met with seven private equity firms. and got six term sheets between 50 and $150 million. But two of my favorite together. And that's how we raised $100 million for Foundry. But sometimes it is about creating, getting out of your head, taking the limitations and imagine what life would be. Imagine what the opportunity would be without limits. But ultimately, you're going to have to be able to build on your operating assumptions and create new ones and make those true in order to achieve that. Absolutely amazing. That's amazing. And you mentioned about like, I'm really curious to know about this thing. Uh, you mentioned about some businesses like they start, they scale it to 1 million, maybe 10 million or more, and then everything collapse, right? Sometimes. What is the major difference that you see be between uh, businesses which have long-term existence and businesses which collapsed in a couple of years? Well, first of all is that every, okay, everything has a shelf life. True. Every technology will be will be at some point become outdated. Every can't marketing, every marketing channel will become inefficient. Every marketing campaign will become so you have to accept the fact that everything will be outdated. So what you have to be constantly doing is uh, reinvesting for the future investing what that is and taking part of your revenue and part of your proceeds. And then that is, is expect is and building and testing for the next thing. And innovation has to become part of a culture, has to be part of a plan. As you build your three to five year roadmaps, you update every year. It has to be part of the roadmap for the future. And, the, and part of it is, is the, um, do you have a culture of innovation? Do you have a culture of, of that enables people to test and fail? Or is, are people so scared for their jobs that they can't do that? So again, and so, and, and you just create that plan and keep on investing. And then asking the questions I do is, which is, um, what is possible? Let's create a new vision for the company and let's bring things to the next level and understand, also be able to react. There's a thing about focusing on, it's a balance, 
what is possible in this vision, but also reacting somewhat to the marketplace. We know with Elon Musk, one of his companies, they spent so much time on technology on their platform. And there was this little piece of how to transfer money that people seem to be attracted to in that platform that he built. And suddenly he realized that that's really where the market value is. So they basically ignored all the beautiful complex code and the solutions they developed. They focused on this one functionality and that became PayPal. Hmm. Sometimes you have to identify and understand where the market is going, what the demands are. Um, the other thing is you want to constantly be moving your company to where the market is going. doesn't mean massive ships and be careful to take risk with your business. And Charlie, uh, Charlie Munger has an expression. He says, um, well, he says, um, I'm going to paraphrase it. The way I like to say it is, is make sure you share the sheep and not skin the sheep. I don't mind risking all of the, all the wool in one season that I get from one season and risk it on a business idea because I know that wool can grow back. But if you basically skin it and use the sheep for meat and everything else, well, you have one shot and one shot only. I call those one-way doors. And to bet the farm, bet your business on a one-way door you is, you know, yeah, you can lose everything. So be very careful. But you should be taking, you know, big bets that you can actually write the check on on a consistent basis for growth. And if the business is not growing, it's dying, period. That's insightful. Absolutely. We all have to evolve with the time, with the technology, like the stuff which was working maybe 10 years ago, maybe let's say webinars were working 10 years ago. And now it's challenges. And with, with the time, everything changes. And if you don't, you said it very right. If you don't evolve yourself, if you don't keep on betting your money on the stuff to, in your growth, in your business, in your vision, all that stuff, uh, you'll be far behind in the race. And that is the and reason I'll, I think. Yeah. And I'll share this other piece with you is, is that, just like you have to, you have to be very, in my opinion, I've learned I have to be very deliberate about the people I surround myself with in my personal life and my business life and my teams. Um, I never want a team that agrees to everything I say. I never want a team that um, isn't afraid to challenge me. But on the other hand is I need a team that is positive, that gives positive energy, that gives energy to everything we do. And because if so, is there's unlimited potential that gives energy to me and energy to me. And I, I measure that. I need people in my life that, that give me energy and create a better version of me. Because ultimately, that to me is what, um, what EQ is all about or emotional quotient about is, is can you bring out the best of the people around you? And so if that's what you the, the one of the biggest litmus tests you use, not only for the person you're spending, you choose to spend your time with or the rest of your life with, but also your team members is that emotional quotient is, are they bringing out the best in other people? The journey becomes so much more enjoyable because ultimately is this is tough. Growing business is tough. And if you don't think that there'll be winters coming, there is winters coming with every business. Now with every winter, there's an clear opportunity that's out there. Therefore, when COVID hit, instead of watching Tiger King and hanging out watching Netflix, um, I doubled down. I worked, never worked so hard in my life. I didn't have to, but I look for the next big opportunity. And the final thing before we wrap, and just, just to consider this, and, and I can't overemphasize the getting the quality of the people in your life and your business balanced is in tough times. I, especially we're going through this massive economic change right now, whether it's going to be a massive recession, how long it's going to last for, whether there's stagnation, 
I, again, I'm not going to get into the accounts. What I do know is no one can deny that there is a massive shift that's coming. So the question that I started asking when COVID hit is what is the first order impacts and what's the second order impacts and what's the third order impacts? Someone said might be saying, what the hell is order impacts? Well, let me just explain. An analogy would be is when um, Henry Ford created the Model T and started creating mass production with these coming off, these cars coming off the production floor. Suddenly millions of Americans had access to cars at a price they can afford. So the first order impact was the sale of cars, right? Granted, the second order impact was that there was a gas stations were popping up throughout America at further and further distances. So, so the people that said, oh my God, with freedom, we can drive further and take long weekends and overnight trips and three-day trips and people love to get on the roads with their cars. And that was just part of the outcome was gas station. Now, people could have easily... Henry Ford could have predicted that. Now, the next thing that happened, not many people could predict. People started driving further and yeah, they yeah, they wanted to spend the night. Where'd they spend the night? Well, they had boarding houses. Boarding houses filled out, there wasn't places. So the first mo motels and national motels chains started popping up that led to national hotel chains. And that was the third order impact. So I'm always asking when we go through these economic downturns, these master ships, or even in the pandemic is, not only what the first order impact would most people are going to predict, hey, there's going to be, you know, we all need hand sanitizer. There's a shortage of the hand sanitizers. Okay, it doesn't make a genius to figure that one out. But what's the second order impact and what's the third order impact of everything that happens? And that's where real opportunity is. And then you look for sustainable ones. And like I said, I like, I like to get in where I see there's a wave of energy and a wave of changes. And if I can predict that and get behind it, not necessarily want to be the first one, but I want to be close to the first one that does it. But basically when you have the wind at your back is better than having gale force winds in your face, especially with starting a new business. But, all right. It was absolutely a pleasure getting to know you and meeting you. Same here, Tom. That's amazing. I really love all the analogies that you used here. It's amazing. And it's insightful for all people who are watching us live as well. And any last thoughts, any last uh message for the people for our entrepreneur friends out there yeah um just remember in every dark moment we always have them we always have challenges there's always opportunity and i'm going to say this that we're all stronger than we believe we are we can always take another step and after another step and another step and pretty soon the solution is out there and so um but reach out to your network and don't be shy about asking for help people love to help people it's in our nature Beautiful. I love it. Thank you so much, Tom, for your valuable time, for coming on and sharing all the insightful things. And we will be coming back with another show. Thank you so much for people who are watching us. We'll see you next time. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. And if you have enjoyed this episode, make sure to visit dreamclientsecrets.com to get more information about how you can grow and scale your online business. And if you love this show, don't forget to leave me a five-star review and I will see you in the next episode.